and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is City Lights, directed by Charlie Chaplin, starring Charlie Chaplin and Virginia Cheryl. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, it's been a little while. Welcome back. I How know. Happy New Year. I don't know if you caught that, Cameron. I almost sipped my coffee right as you started the show. That's Literally like every of, single time. Every single show. It's like <laughs> now it's just uh, engraved into my brain to do something like that. But it's like, no, I resisted. I resisted. When, as soon as you said hello and welcome, I literally almost did it. And I was like, nope, not. It's I'm breaking free of the Matrix. The simulation, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, no, I'm good. Happy New Year, Cameron. Are you doing yeah, well? You have a good, a good New Year's. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. Hung out with some people. Um, you know, had a good time. Kind of felt like that. Uh, th- that scene in this movie. Uh, <laughs> several, several scenes in in this movie is kind of what my New Year's felt like. But um, hey, you know. you know, that's good. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of. Uh, taking it easy right now. Um, I've got some some job stuff that I'm trying to line up, and um, yeah, just just working on some stuff behind the scenes. And yeah, um, I had this is way probably too much information, but um, I I I got a sous vide right, and tonight I made a a sous vide steak uh, with some with some Brussels sprouts. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I like that. It was super easy. I just like. You know, I just put it in there and I watched watched the movie, hung out, and then by the time the movie was done, my su- steak was done. Came wow. out and you know seared it and and cut it up and and that was my dinner. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, this is I, it's cooking. That's a thing that I need to figure <laughs> out, right? Um, I don't even know what a sous vide is, but I'm guess I can kind of get you know, like some sort of boiling process, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a water bath. It it keeps it at a very precise temperature um, over a long period of time, so you can cook things. Basically, you you can just never overcook it. Essentially, it's like crock pot. You just it's just a crock not pot. not quite because a crock pot is like everything submerged in liquids, right? right? And then the crock pot it doesn't have like exact temperatures. It kind of just puts it on like a low, and then mm. you you just kind of have to guess. But this it's like precise, and it's just when it's heated, it's. When it's heated to 130, it's heated to 130. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like done. Um, and you can you can leave it in there for like six hours or you could leave it in there for two hours. Um, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't like overcook. So, um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty handy. Well, that that's awesome. I, I have some big news, Cameron. I'm definitely moving out February 1st. So this is the last nice. month of uh, this podcast where you will see the guitars behind me. I can't imagine myself recording anything at this house again not that i don't like my parents but there's i just wouldn't haul all the gear and hopefully yeah, yeah. hopefully that means i won't have to set up every week too like i'll finally have a desk set up you know uh, there'll be no yeah. depth of field you know i'll be living in a cardboard box but you know it'll be <laughs> it'll at least you know be set up every yeah week you'll have it all thing. set up yeah you'll yeah. be d- traveling out of a suitcase you know yeah no that that's exciting because that means um you know i don't know i i feel like we you know, this last month we did a lot of in-person stuff, but, it, you know, it could be nice to do to to think about doing more in-person stuff. I mean, yeah, um, you know, I, it's it it should be fun. So, I, yeah, I'm I'm happy for you. That, that'll be good. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be able to fit. I mean, it's a small place and I have some other news, too. I'm probably moving out with Glenn. So nice. that is just it's going to be my brother, Glenn, who's been on the podcast a few times. It's going to be an adventure um maybe a short-lived one but we found basically like 
a cottage behind someone's house that's like a good deal. It's basically not having to deal with all the negatives of rent because it's just kind of, I don't know, like I, it just seems way more laid back because the person's yeah. like, yeah, it's like an old guy who's retired. He's like, whatever, just don't cause any problems. You know, and it's like, okay, cool. So I'm excited for that and I'm ready for that. That, that will be that will be a big shift. Hopefully I won't miss a show, but if I do, you'll know why. That's going to be in February, but um, that's been a, at the top of my head and a few other things, including this movie and some things I've been watching, Cameron. Uh, yeah. I'll throw it to you first. What have you what have you been watching? Yeah. So um, I guess I've been watching a couple things. I've been trying to catch up on sort of the end of the year. Um, so me and Juza went out and saw Macbeth yesterday, um, the Joel Cohn movie. Um we're kind of met on it. Uh, we, we didn't, we didn't love it that much. Um, the problem is, I mean, I, 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 in, in theory, I like Macbeth, but in practice, I think it's boring. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So un- unfortunately I, I was a bit underwhelmed. It is a beautiful looking movie, just like stunning. Um, but I don't know. It's just like, if you, if you love Shakespeare, I'm sure it's great. Um, I'm just, I just ne- have never, it's, it's never been my thing personally. Um, uh, only like select, select, uh, applications of shape Shakespeare, but, um, I don't know for me, um, wasn't about it. It wasn't, wasn't my favorite. And then we also saw red rocket, um, which is a really fun movie. Sean Baker. We, we watched one of his movies, the Florida project, actually. Um, that was your pick. And, um, yeah, that movie is really awesome. It's a lot of fun, but it's also very, um, very dark and very, uh, depressing in a lot of ways, um, in kind of the Sean Baker, uh, established way It's very much a Baker movie. Uh, you know, there's long, <laughs> uh, strips where they're just like walking out in a weird, you know, alleyway and stuff. Um, and it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, and, and I, I would say like, um, it's probably a movie that's going to fly under the radar for most people. Uh, but I, I'd say give it a chance. It's, it's a, it's a really interesting movie. Um, has a lot to say about sort of, um, uh, uh, disgusting people and, uh, you know, people who are, who are like very charming, but also completely willing to take advantage of other people. Um, and it's, it's really, yeah, really, really interesting movie. So, um, other than that, uh, I'm trying to think, um, I don't think I've seen anything else really. Mm. Oh, I've been, this is a nerd weeb confession. I'm not a weeb, but this is nerd confession right here. Um, I, I've been playing persona five, uh, and it's pretty awesome. I like oh. it. So, yeah, I've never tried any of those persona games, but they're supposed to be, you know, good. Right. It's I definitely guess. like you have to get over a certain you have to get over like a couple hours of yeah. real bad. So, yeah, no, I can't. I can't. I, <laughs> it's I mean, the, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. You you and I have been messaging just because we got the new Battlefield game for Christmas. And that was just atrocious. Like, just yeah. I basically uninstalled it um, as far as video games for me. Really, the only thing I think you'd need to play if you're interested in is the new Halo game is just awesome. Like, it's so good. And um, the campaign came out in December. It's just cool to see, like, Microsoft actually have a good exclusive. And, Mm -hmm. 
we'll cut it off there because I could talk a lot longer about it. Uh, what I've been watching, I went and saw Spider-Man again with Jules, and that was fun. She really liked it. She thought it was probably the best one with Tom Holland, and I agree with her. Um, it's just a lot of fun. I think it's it's actually so surprising how good Willem Dafoe is in it. Um, he's just like, he hasn't missed a beat. I know there's some de-aging going on, right? But like his energy and presence is like, you, you, you're fooled by it because of how, how he carries himself. He's just so energetic and into the role. And I, and I kind of went down a Willem Dafoe rabbit hole. Just, um, I watched, I don't know if it was like a vice or some sort of interview with him going through his, um, filmography and got me really interested because I realized I actually like a lot of the movies he's in. Um, and uh, he has some controversial ones on there that I think I kind of want to check out and with uh, filmmakers that I know, too. So I really enjoyed seeing him in Platoon. I liked, um, of course, the original Spider-Man. He's great in this new one. And one of my favorites, The Florida Project, I think is one of his best roles that I've ever seen him in. Um, really like that movie. We watched it on the show. We have a review for it. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really, really big Willem Dafoe fan. And I, I got to check out some of his other movies, Cameron. Do you have a um, like I've never seen Boondocks, Boondock Saints or anything like that. But do you have uh, yeah. A me, suggestion? me neither. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I we were yesterday, me and Juzo were talking about the Florida Project and like how great that scene is of of him, you know, when he when he approaches the guy who's like, you know, talking to the kids. Oh, yeah. Um, just a yeah, just an awesome sequence. Um, I really love The Lighthouse. Uh, I think that's a great movie. And he 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 kills it in that movie. I think he kind of steals the show in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, Pattinson's great uh, as well, but he he definitely. He definitely kills it. Um, yeah, in terms of of other Defoe movies, I'd have to think. Um, I know he's in like Antichrist. Are you gonna Are you gonna watch that movie? That was actually the one that he talked about on like his interview, and I was just super curious about it. Um, I I don't know if it would be for you, but no, um, I'm I'm it's... sure, <laughs> I'm sure. I, I there was something about it the way he the way he talked about the reception of the film. Um, like he it's almost like he played dumb in the interview, but he was like, I didn't expect this movie to get as much attention as it did. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you know? I mean, Von, the thing the thing is, like Von Trier has always been a boundary pusher in a lot of ways. I mean, before I think before Antichrist, he was kind of uh, um, a bit unknown. He was part of that uh, a small group of like um like i i can't remember if they're nordic or um swedish or whatever but it's called dogma 45 i think dogma 95 that's what it is um oh you know what i'm talking about a different movie cameron that's not the one that had my interest it was actually the scorsese not antichrist no oh oh the last temptation of christ yes that's the one right right, that's the one sorry yeah yeah it's kind of similar names oh yeah okay i no, that i would i would probably recommend to you um, yeah, maybe we'll, just, we could we could watch that. We could do a Scorsese part two. Um, do that in silence. That'd be awesome. I'm just kind of like curious about it, obviously, because, you know, we're both religious and grew up in the church and whatnot. Um, I just think it would be interesting to talk about. I think Hollywood's depiction of biblical things is usually strange, but I have 
so much respect and interest in what Scorsese has put together, especially with the Irishman. And it's and it's kind of kind of it's um, reflective thoughts on religious belief. Right. I, I think that's like really why I'm like, maybe I'd like to kind of step back in Scorsese's life and see what he thinks about it then compared to his his last statement on it. So, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, well, I think I would say. I would say silence is a good is a good gauge for that too. But um yeah, I mean I I I uh we, yeah, let's let's say let's table that. I think that'd be fun. Um also like, Will- Willem Dafoe is Jesus. Nah, that's not who I would cast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it just seems weird. I mean I back in the day, he, he had that look, you know. I guess I heard somebody say that Willem Dafoe has looked like he's 50 years old for like 50 years or something. Oh yeah. Like yeah. That. That's definitely true. It's, it's uh, no, I don't, but, I don't think he looks bad as Jesus. I think he, he, I think he, he wears it well. Um, but I mean it, you know, if, this is like, this is such a dumb p- depiction of, of G it's just like the classic, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I haven't, I mean, I haven't seen it, so who knows? Well, but anyways, that's what, uh, you know what, Cameron, if we ever go out to, uh, where JD is, you know, because JD's in ministry right now. That would be really fun to do uh, movie movie podcasts around like biblical texts and whatnot, and just see yeah. JD be super uncomfortable. Be like, no, 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 you know. It's interesting because I feel like there are uh, there are a handful of really good ones, um, but mostly uh, mostly garbage when it comes. Uh, like I don't know, we we've talked about it before, but like the the Christian films. Uh, industry the <laughs> yeah um, it is like is like pretty pretty garbage but uh you know it, it is what it is i used to be more upset about it now it's just like whatever not um, to go on too i mean we're already on a pretty far tangent but to be honest well i don't know what you have to say about city lights i don't have too much to say about it but i do i'm i'm enjoying what we're talking about now so i'm gonna further this tangent for a second but my there are a lot of people in the church world right now that like um what is it? There's like this, there's like a outside of Hollywood, like crowdfunded Christian show. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. Uh, what you're talking it's about. called, it's called the chosen. That's what it is. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's, um, my parents like love it. They, uh-huh. they well, I don't know if it's good or not. <laughs> right. But what I will say is the bits that I've seen of it are like extremely high production. Like the people that made, the the series or like dead serious about being like we're separate we wanted to be separated from hollywood but we also didn't want it to be garbage like they like openly say that in interviews and whatnot so i've never watched it i don't know if it's like i I really don't know very much about it besides the fact that it's this outside crowdsourced show and whatnot and it's kind of it's interesting because obviously you know they're the the christian church is very big Right. There are a lot of religions that are very big. And of course, they're going to be creative people that also want to be filmmakers and whatnot in in those uh, sects. Right. So it's yeah. just I think it's. Yeah. Labeling something as Christian versus just being a thing. Right. That's created. I think that's where it gets a little strange. Same thing with music. Right. But yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I mean, uh, um, I mean, it's got a budget of uh, 40 million. So. It's mm-hmm. pretty good, pretty pretty solid budget for a 2016 TV show or 2017 TV show. So oh, it's still going. Uh, is it because yeah. it only has? Oh, uh, maybe they're like trying. Oh, they're 
they just aired the last or the, the second season. But I don't right. know if it's still in production or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, that's that's uh, it's it's impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, we we could talk more about it, but um, I do want to uh also give sort of an introduction to silent movies and kind of what we're going to be talking about a little bit um well i didn't finish what i've been watching cameron oh well yeah okay well (laughs) just keep going then (laughs) you see this mug that's right the book of boba fett came out and yeah i watched the first episode okay and there's that guy that you know from episode two that is all the clones and uh, he's back as an old boba fett nice um cool yeah, it's fine. It's good. I have to say, I'm still happy that John Favreau and Dave Filoni are attached to the project. I thought that this book of Boba Fett was going to be very like, all right, let's pull in the side people and we'll we'll throw, we'll, you know. But you can tell that Filoni and um, John Favreau both love like the Mandalorian stuff. There's just something different, like the way the show ends with like actual, you know, storyboarded art. I'm like. They know Dave Filoni was trained. If you know anything about him, he's the creator of Clone Wars, pretty much underneath George Lucas's wing. Um, And I think the Clone Wars show became something special. And I think, you know, the Mandalorian, a lot of people like it. I think the show is special. It's not perfect. I mean, it's got a little bit of Saturday morning cartoon energy in some ways. But, you know, Star Wars should be fun, right? It should be like, should not be super. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I I thought this, I mean, just think about this for a second, Cameron. Like, if you were going to have a Boba Fett show, what's the first thing you would want to see? The first thing? Yeah, as a fan of of Boba Fett, what's the first thing you'd want to see? Well, I mean, I think about sort of the Boba Fett comics, um, but that's like young Boba Fett, uh, so. Well, yeah, they already did that in the the Clone Wars. They did that in Boba Fett stuff. Okay, so... I don't know. I mean, I would just want the the problem is I wouldn't want to see a Boba Fett show. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. He, he, I mean, I his character is all about the mystery of him being this like rogue bounty hunter, and you imagining what like what he's capable of in a lot of ways in that in those two movies. You know? No, I agree. There, they actually, I actually watched after watching the first episode a documentary that's about Boba Fett because, of course, Disney Plus needs that content, <laughs> and that's a lot of what they were talking about. You know, is like. Well, he's he's a cool character because like you just don't know very much about him. And even his introduction, like before Empire Strikes Back, he they they showed like this footage of him in the Christmas in. special. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not the Christmas <laughs> special. Even before that, which mm-hmm. I didn't know this. But for some reason, George Lucas was like a part of this local parade in this one part of California. And he lent out Darth Vader's suit before after like after, you know, A New Hope. And they were in the middle of production with the Boba Fett suit, you know, uh, for Empire Strikes Back. I guess Boba Fett's outfit was supposed to be used a lot more, but they ran out of budget so they could only make one of his armors. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to make a story around it. But they equipped like they they lent out the armor like I think it was they said something like a year or two before Empire came out. Mm -hmm. And so there's just Boba Fett walking out in the crowd before the Star Wars special. He's just out there with Darth Vader and instantly people are like wanting his autograph. Obviously, Star Wars was big, 
but there's like a mysterious character nobody knows yeah, about. Of course. And, and like people are like, who is this guy? Like, that's like something that you, you talk about as a kid when you're like, oh my gosh, you know what I saw? I saw something new that's never before seen. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, oh, did you know there's a secret level in Super Mario 64 or whatever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, like, you, did you know, did you know you could crouch behind that thing in Super Mario Bros. 3 and go behind the level and everything <laughs> like that? Yeah. <laughs> totally. No, I, I just thought it was really neat. Like, to see how he was carrying that sort of energy. And yeah. honestly, the, that little documentary about Boba Fett, I was like, hmm. you know, that was surprisingly entertaining for 20 minutes. So, yeah. Um, what I was going to say is like what you'd want to see from a Boba Fett show. Like, that's what I loved about the first episode so far is it was like, oh, it's what I would want to see if I like was a little kid, you know, again, that's what was exciting about it for me is I was like, if I was a kid, I'd want to see Boba Fett in the Scarlack pit. You know, and that's how the show opens. And I'm like, this is awesome. You know, like this is exactly what I wanted to see. You know, like how did he get out? What happened? You know? So I mean, yeah, maybe it's stupid, but like there was a there was the little kid inside of me that got excited. And I think that's what the Mandalorian show does well. And that's what, you know, the book of Boba Fett is continuing with compared to like some of the Star Wars movies where it almost feels you know, kind of painful and comedic to watch them, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's anyways, we can we can move on, Cameron. Before you talk about silent movies, I, of course, want to show for a second, but I want to get your hot take, too. You know, there's a there's a fancy Rolls Royce in, in City Lights. We can mm. get to that. But Cameron, I was going to ask you your hot take. You're suddenly burdened with so much wealth. What is the luxury car you're going for? The luxury car. Well, um it's kind of interesting because I've I've always dreamed of having uh, an awesome. Um, uh, it's I think it's like the C three Corvette, uh, the one mm. they made in like seventy six. Yeah, had like the half top um, called the Target top. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, that that's a sick car, but it's also only like it's you could buy it probably for like eighty grand, so it's not like <laughs> it's, you know it's not like that unreasonable. Um, Have you driven a Corvette, Cameron? No, I haven't. They're unbelievable. I drove I, one yeah, I bet. a few months ago, and for a car that's under a hundred thousand dollars, it's like it's a monster. The oh thing yeah, it's yeah. a monster. Did, you know? Was it the new one or like? No, I drove like two. It was like a Turo rental or something that mm -hmm. uh, my sister's husband got. But we we drove it. It was like a, I think it was like a 2017 or something before they got that awesome mid engine look. Those new, yeah, the new, the new ones are like, is sick. It's amazing. <laughs> they're unbelievable looking. They yeah. they genuinely like look like mini mini McLarens, and I'm like, wow. Oh yeah. How is that under a hundred thousand? Anyways, um, and they're really fast. They're super yeah. super good horsepower. It's basically like a bare bones supercar. You know, <laughs> that's kind of what it they're is. Going it is. For. Yeah, it is. Um. But yeah, dude, that um, modern but, Corvettes are amazing. But in a in a in a realistic scenario, and this is gonna this is gonna upset my little brother who who hates electric cars. Oh. But I would I would legit get a a, a Tesla Model S Plaid. Mm. That car is insanely awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I that's interesting. I I didn't even think about. Yeah. Getting, I probably would go with the Tesla too, but there's something about it for me where I've thought about it and I'm like, I, you know what I crave more than anything now with cars? Like I used to be like, I want a car that's 
fast or a car that's loud. You know, I had that with the Tiburon, you know? (laughs) 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 I had that, all right? I've experienced that. Uh, Um but now I'm like, I just want something quiet with comfortable leather seats or something and just a very quiet cab. And I drove yeah. like this um, Mercedes Benz S-Class uh, recently. And I was like, I get it. Like, I just suddenly got, I, I was like, yeah. I was like, I understand why rich people buy these cars because they're quiet. They're just, ah, I'm at peace finally, you know? Yeah. My um, So my grandma had like a 99 Mercedes for like so long, I mean, since 99. Yeah. And literally this last year, she, or in like the last couple months, she bought a, a Mercedes uh, SUV. They're like, I, the, I don't know what they're like low. Yeah, yeah, SUV I know what you're right. um, And yeah, you're right. It is like, the, it's like, there's just like a luxury factor to it. You know yes. what I mean? It just feels, yeah. it feels great. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. It. it might be complete placebo, but it's definitely quieter. And it's like noticing. Oh yeah, yeah. So. It's quieter and like um, the. I don't know if you were messing around with like the sound system, but the sound system sounds awesome. Yeah. Um. They they just have like little touches where you're like, wow, that's really that's really nice. You know. Yeah. Definitely. But. I think I would have to go for the Mercedes. I I love. I mean, there's there's also another factor. It's like if you're that rich, you're buying a car. Like everyone, whenever you talk about Mercedes, is like, oh, those cars break down. Like it's not a reliable car. It's like, well, if I'm that rich, who cares? You know, like, you I know, mean, time is money, you know, time. Is yeah, money I mean, when you're that rich. But yeah, well, you know, it's that I've always I've I definitely am into those. But the Tesla is a good choice. I definitely like. Yeah. Yeah. OK, well, this is, of course, a movie podcast, not a car podcast, not a video game podcast, not a Boba Fett podcast. You're <laughs> listening to Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way. Get an exclusive commentary track for all you Patreons. Yes, the December one is coming. It's a sit down conversation. Cameron's handling it. I'm going to let him handle it. Do you have any details on that, Cameron? Oh, yeah, it's already recorded. Um, and we're going to just put it out for free on Patreon, too, because um, it, it was it was a fun hang. It was it's really just a casual conversation. Uh, me, Juzo, and Tim um, talked about a, a couple different things. We kind of played a, a fun, an interesting game about, uh, uh, you know, if you could only pick a director's 10-year block, you know, one decade of a director's uh, career, um, you know, what decade would you would you choose? And yeah, a couple just we we're just hanging out, having having a good chat. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was a good time. We'll put it up, um, you know, as soon as possible. Yeah. If you want, like. If you want to listen to that show, it's free. So you can, again, check us out, patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. And patrons, of course, you can write in questions. We have a bonus episode coming for you in January. It's just going to be an hour of silence in honor of Silent Month. I'm just kidding. That would be hilarious. I was thinking, like, how do we factor in that moment of silence thing to, like, launch the month? But that would be so stupid. Well, silent silent movies aren't really silent, but uh, that's true. I guess I guess we'll get into that. Yeah. If you don't have a few dollars, give us a rating. Tell people about it. Let's get into it, Cameron. Yeah. So um, today we uh, watch City Lights. Uh, It follows the the misadventures of uh, Charlie Chaplin's character, the tramp, uh, as he falls in love with a blind flower girl and develops a friendship with uh, with a, uh, a a wealthy alcoholic, and um, it's an interesting movie in a lot of ways because it comes at the late end of the silent era. But I did want to kind of uh, 
give this as some sort of an introduction into silent films in a lot of ways. Um, I would say personally, silent movies um, have never really been, they've always been a little bit of a chore, I guess. Uh, You know, they've been something that I, uh, I watch because I was forced to in, (laughs) in college, but never something that I really looked forward to watching. Um, and, but this one I think holds a pretty special place because I think that it, it does, does a couple of things right in a lot of ways. And I think Chaplin still stands the test of time as both a, um, you know, a comedic artist, someone who kind of uses a lot of visual gags and, and is very fun and interesting in a, in a cartoonish way and also ropes in, uh, very heartfelt messages um, and things that are, you know, generally uh, good natured and 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 wholesome, I would say. So um, Chaplin, he, uh, you know, started his his career in in the early, uh, I think, in like 1912. Um, he's an Englishman originally, and he moved moved to Hollywood. Um, and yeah, we've already seen one of his movies uh the great dictator which is another fav- favorite of mine although it's not silent but um yeah this was kind of at the waning end of the silent era sound movies had already come out um 4 years earlier uh but they were they were kind of still you know it's still figuring out how to do either you know whether they should do either talkies or uh you know silent movies they were kind of battling it out at the time and what's interesting about this movie, I, I mean, I think it is, uh, th- this movie has a dedicated soundtrack in the same way that you might uh, see a movie nowadays have a dedicated soundtrack. And one of the um, one of the perks of that is that you can make audio gags as well as visual gags. Um, and so this was kind of Chaplin's first experiment in um, developing sound around his films uh, although he he was genuinely opposed to making talkies and and he hated them, um, he thought that they were they were incredibly base and and not not at all um, you know artistically valid. Which which I don't know. I I find a little bit funny, but um, you know until he made the Great Dictator, he he just refused outright to make um, to make any any talkies uh, and. Uh, you know, I I think we'll get into talking about sort of I, over the over the course of this month. I'd like to focus a little bit on visual language and visual storytelling, and how things in a silent movie are communicated through um, through look and through um, interaction on uh, you know on the part of the actors as well as as sort of the 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 filmmaking in general. Um, this was this was at the at the waning end of of silent films, and um, yeah, I mean, so first and foremost, I guess, um, what is your uh, impression at, to this point of silent movies? I know we've we've watched I think two so far. Have we watched two, or have we watched yeah, one? Yeah, well, we watched. Um... What is it? Metropolis? That's oh yeah, two and uh, so uh, we watched Metropolis and way way back in the day as the prototype for this show, we watched Battleship Potemkin, which Um, you know Battleship Potemkin that's a pretty crazy movie. 
Yeah, and a lot. It's a little boring, but it's it's not bad. I think I had fun because I watched it with you. I have to yeah. say that watching silent movies is it it does feel really um, disengaging at, at some point. Probably about the ten or fifteen minute mark for me is when I'm like, all right, you know. Oh well, you're I, gonna like week three then. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I mean, we watched the Great Train Robbery, which was short and that was nice, you know, for a silent movie. This one was some like hills and valleys for me. I don't think that this movie is bad by any means, but it's like, for some reason I couldn't stop thinking about like, imagine if you ordered like breakfast at a plate at a restaurant and you said, I want um, pancakes and they gave you pancakes with no syrup, you know, like they're still good. (laughs) They're still like, you're like, well, pancakes are awesome. Even if you just had butter, they'd be pretty good, you know? But, like, it's missing something, <laughs> you know? Like, there's something missing, you know? I think the thing that Charlie Chaplin would would push back on you uh, against that is that nowadays what you get instead of pancakes with syrup is is just syrup uh, <laughs> and no pancakes. So so I, I think I think that's kind of that, – that would be his argument back in the day at least. Uh, so – well, there's definitely something to be said about the technical aspects of this movie, but I don't think that is engaging or entertaining enough for someone like myself who, I mean, like I can appreciate those elements, but it's not what makes me sit down and want to watch a movie. You know, like I don't watch movies for technical, you know, observation. I think that's, I don't know. Like I know that there's a lot of our audience that does enjoy watching movies for that. Just personally, I i mean, it's hard to call myself a casual after doing this show for over a year at this point. And I'm like, I don't know. But I, I still don't want to like go. T- it, it's like the same way I would feel about going to watch like a documentary, you know, kind of for, <laughs> at, at the movie theater. Well, it's like, well, okay, rather, wait, 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 we're, we're going, we're going too far into it. Um, because I mostly, I, I don't want you to break down like the technical a- aspects of it. Um, I want you to, to tell me about sort of where you, were there entertaining points in this movie? And I, I just start with base level where you at any point entertained <laughs> with what was going yeah. on. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I and I have to say I I got to give props to Chaplin. I didn't know it was a Chaplin movie when we started watching it. And there were elements of this film that I feel like I had seen before. I mean, I think the boxing mm. scene is pretty iconic. Yeah. Um there's there and even some of the opening moments with the um whatever it is, monument that they're showing off. Yeah, the reveal I was like, of I was yeah. like this seems so familiar. I feel like I've watched this before. So I don't know if I had seen it before, but there's something about it that is um, iconic in in and of itself, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there were plenty of moments where I felt like I, like I got a ch- there was a chuckle. I was chuckling like, haha, that's kind of funny, you know. But it it does feel like an old movie, you know. It does feel yeah, like for sure. I was kind of waning in and out of my engagement, and there was no penalty for that either. That's the other thing, too, right? Is that these silent movies, you can kind of, you know, okay, I'm going to go get up and make some popcorn, which I did during this movie, and kind of just poked my head in there and back, and I didn't miss anything. 
I was like, I, I know some, some, some silent films. Yes. I mean like Chaplin, the, the, the thing that I wanted to sort of introduce with, with Chaplin is that he was a very friendly filmmaker in a lot of ways. Um, he, he makes movies that are very, um, enjoyable, pretty lighthearted, usually, um, have a certain amount of cleverness and, um, and, and are just like genuinely easy to follow and easy, easy to, to just appreciate as they are. Um, I, I think hopefully at the, by the end of silent film month, uh, we'll, we'll have watched a couple movies that are very, are difficult movies, um, in terms of, of their, uh, <laughs> their their engagement and not not in terms of like oh you could just uh like in terms of paying attention like like more much more um sort of requiring your engagement i guess um because i think you're right in that chaplin because he makes kind of pretty unoffense inoffensive movies um there's there's a temptation of you just to be a little bit like oh yeah you know it's 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 all right it's neat um Although at the same time, there there kind of wasn't anybody doing what he was doing, um, and there I don't know if there ever really has been anybody who's who's done exactly what he's done, um, just in terms of balancing so many um, elements of of style, I guess. Yeah, I mean i I found the movie to be like good, but I did feel a sense of like as someone who's supposed to now talk about this movie, like, am I going to tell people about this movie the way I've told other people about other movies, you know? And I do think like, really I've been spoiled because we did watch the great dictator, which is not a silent film, but I do think is like genuinely like required viewing. And that's how I feel. I feel like school should be like playing this movie um, for kids to watch because I just think it's just a profound film and to compare that with this movie there there there's a lot of fun clever stuff but it, it there there i had a sense that it was kind of like i i was like almost on the edge of like am i wasting time watching this you know like i know that's kind of like a harsh criticism and i'm trying to say it in the in the lightest way because i do think the movie is is a good time like the boxing scene in particular for me was like that's when i was probably most entertained by it mm-hmm. um but like everything else in the movie it doesn't really like <sighs> i don't know like it it didn't it didn't really make me ever feel validated to sit there and i'm grateful that it's only 90 minutes but there were so some moments in the film where i was like like i hate when silent movies have dialogue that makes no sense to me like that's like one of the stupidest things um and i just like i don't understand it i don't understand why anyone would do that sort of thing where like we can see them talking and i can't figure out what they're saying and that's when i'm like also like they have inner titles Sure, but I'm also well, like, and but but for for a lot of those scenes, the the details of the conversation isn't isn't really all that necessary. Um, you you can you could pick up on on kind of what's going on. So I mean, I don't 
I don't I don't hold that against um against any silent movies. Yeah, but it also it well, just seems like re- really counterintuitive. You know, like I'm like, why is there a dialogue scene when the but, best moments of this movie are the scenes where it's like there's not dialogue, there's action. They're genuine to me. They're genuinely like with Chaplin is an action movie. Yeah, um, yeah, I and, I agree with that. And but, but the, the, I, well, okay, I I'll say um, the the reason why there's no there's I mean this this movie doesn't doesn't really count because uh, it's like I said it's it's kind of near the end of of uh, silent movies. But um, the reason why there's there's dialogue in these movies is because they couldn't. Um, they're they they didn't have they didn't have microphones that they could hook up to the to the sound you know so yeah. so i mean like like i it's it's not it maybe it's counterintuitive today to do that i guess but um it wasn't back in the day because that's that's how you that's how they had to get around certain uh plot driven elements that's fine like that's good for them you know like I know that's, but I I will stand by this. I am a selfish uh, <laughs> movie watcher. Like I'm like I am here. <laughs> I am here to be entertained. And if it's gonna like, I don't know. Like I think I, I the whole argument of like, well, that's how it was back in the day. So just appreciate it. I'm like. Eh. You know, I'm spoiled. You no, know? just I'm spoiled. No, no, no. It's not appreciated. Just deal with it. Okay. Just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, put, but like just that... put your feelings on hold. Okay. About this. About this one. This one element. <laughs> okay. Well, we can move on from Be- it, because it... the the problem is you the there's there's no way to get over it. Um. Right. There's no you can't you can't ignore these moments of 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 dialogue. They're they're. Uh, some of them are are extremely important, um, so you, you can't just get over it, you know. Uh, well, I I'm not talking about like some like I was talking about the boxing scene, right? There's there's that moment in the locker room where there's a conversation taking place, but there's still like physical action that's like adding to the scene. So I think I think it what was about, really what about the scene um, at the end? Because I I do want to spend some time on on sort of it's probably the most famous scene in in uh in this movie and one of the most famous scenes in chaplin's history but um yeah i mean what 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 about that sequence which is basically i mean it's almost entirely all dialogue um although it is using in my mind it's using chaplin's ability to to be subtle um as well as as sort of telegraph a lot of things um, through the screen, use visual storytelling um, along with with dialogue. Um, I mean, like the the realization moment where she like recognizes him with the hands and stuff. Like I, I thought it was like, it's it's nice, it's cool. That that wasn't the scene that I'm like frustrated by, you know. I think it was like midway through the movie where it's like the the romance stuff. I don't think it paid off until that scene, right? And that's what they were trying to get to. Is there's that? It, it is it is beautiful, right? The idea that like you see she sees him, but then she like she like holds his hand for a moment, and that's like the real. There's like that amazing like realization. And you're like, wow, that's like, 
there's something that kind of like flutters up inside you where you're like, oh, that's just it's it's very nice. It's a very nice ending. I'm happy with this, right? Mm-hmm. Um But like some of the other elements of their the romance, they almost seem more like plot device driven to have him go do silly things, right? And so I liked that scene in and of itself, like alone, kind of. And I guess you need some of the context. But there was an earlier scene where they were like talking to each other in her apartment. It seems to happen a couple of times. It's not long, but I'm just like, I'm I'm ignoring it and moving on. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. I'm ignoring it and moving on. And I was I and so yeah. I mean, I think I think most of my most of my problems with Silent Month, probably moving forward, is that. I'm a lazy movie watcher and I'm, I am going to try Cameron, but this is, (laughs) this is already off to a rocky start because if I can't sit through a Chaplin movie, which is already pretty entertaining and good, like I can only imagine how the rest of January is going to go because (laughs) uh, this is going to seem like paradise compared to what I'm sure you have lined up. Well, uh, no, I mean, so, so next week we'll be watching Buster Keaton's the general, which I would say even more so is, is just an action movie. Um, Probably much more than this movie is. Uh, So I think, I think you'll like that. Um, But I, my, I wanted to take a pit stop and I guess I guess I'll just rope it into to sort of my thoughts on silent movies in general is I, I don't disagree with you that silent movies are can be a task to watch um, and are not always the most enjoyable things. Um, I do want to commend this movie, though, because this this is an example um, where it's able to take the the elements of of a you know of a visual story and com- communicate that onto a very small um deliberately small scale um to to portray emotion or to portray um you know what a char- what two characters are feeling at a moment um you know and and the the moment that you mentioned with you know with her touching his hand for that time and and that realization that's something that i think is it's obviously taken for granted nowadays because film, the language of film is, um, is so universal, but, um, I mean, back in the thirties, there's something so, um, not just, just impressive about it, but it's, it's so genuinely clever, um, and such a, such a beautiful use of, of filmmaking, um, to, to establish, feeling on on such a granular scale um in a way that's that's so rare in a movie like this in in movies of this era um and so for me i mean that's uh, that's impressive on its own and the fact that it it's still to this day i mean for me um it's almost 100 years old it still makes me feel um that feeling that it portrayed to to people back in the 30s and it's 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 shocking in a lot of ways. Um, mm. and seeing it now, it's like, it's like, wow, that is, um, that's the touch of, of artistry. It's pure, pure, just, um, master craftsman at work. Uh, and, and 
above and beyond anything that I've seen from this era in a lot of ways um, in terms of of subtlety of communication and you you completely understanding in that moment um, what's going on. I think it's I think it's so so brilliant and so so impressive. And on top of that, the rest of the movie, I think I think you're um, th- this is. Uh, I don't I it's not a criticism, but this is one of the things that I do have to say about Chaplin is that he kind of takes his movies, especially his features, as an excuse to do like multiple different gags, a lot of gags um, in succession, which is totally fine. I mean, it's it's not it's not bad, um, but that is I mean, it's fair to say that that much of the love story is kind of um, and uh, much of the friendship sequence uh, is kind of more or less a um a useful tool in in terms of plot. Uh but I don't I don't think that's a that's a negative thing at all. Um Well, let's I mean to me I actually found the rich friend to be a much more like compelling presence the mm-hmm. way that they communicate like just the setup of their relationship is really um I think can be like dissected and and appreciated more than the movie wants to dive into. I mean, just they're they're like like Charlie Chaplin is kind of playing a bum like character who's sleeping on statues at the beginning of this movie. And he eventually runs into like a drunk rich man who tries to kill himself in the river. And they have this very comedic like it's hilarious. Way yeah, of, that's a hilarious uh, yeah, moment <laughs> of, 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 you know, the poor man saving the rich man who's trying to kill himself. Right. Just that alone is like, I think saying that out loud, like you kind of realize, oh, this movie has something to say in some ways. And so yeah, I was I, I was excited about where that was going. And then to to see how, you know, the drunk rich man is like, well, you saved my life and now we're going to go tear up the town. And that's like a fun sequence. And. And then the his... dinner sequence reminds me a lot of sort of like the progenitor of playtime um, uh, in a lot of ways. So. Mm. Mm, yeah. No, I, I um, there there's that scene and then it moves like to the rich man waking up sober. And the movie even says like sober brings like new wisdom or something. I don't know. Like there's like some statement, you know what I'm talking about? When yeah, he's, wake up he wakes up point? a different man, basically. Exactly. Yeah, sobriety brings out a different man. And so he's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with this poor guy now. Like, just get rid of him to his butler. Um, and just kind of like that, that setup to me was like, I want to see more of this like kind of conversation around class and relationship and the idea of like happiness versus like, you know, wealth and the wealth being resulting in like a depression and drunkenness versus like a bum who's kind of happy and on his own, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was like, this is, this is a neat thing, but it kind of then gets, you know, spliced in around like, um, this love interest. And so the love interest I found just more drab up until the end where you understand kind of what, like master mastery of film and like emotion is trying to be conveyed at the end. You can tell that scene like was obviously um, something that they had or that, that Chaplin had wanted to express, right? The idea of like it there's, it's kind of like 
it just feels like a very human scene where you mm-hmm. you look at somebody who's you know rough on the outside but then you know that they're like another human being right and it's a very like it's a very pretty ending to the movie um and i i guess it can't like it it does kind of coincide with some of the themes around class and wealth definitely but yeah. i fa- i found that I was kind of more hungry for the rich guy and their their relationship and their interaction. Um, and he kind of shows up as a MacGuffin device to just provide. I don't know, like mechanically, the movie works all together. I was just I wanted to see more of that. I was more interested in that and for the movie to kind of pivot into the love stuff harder towards the end, the last half. I was like, all right, you know, like I was I was kind of more interested in that rich guy. Um, well, um, well, I, I'm trying to think because it it really does split its time um, pretty evenly throughout the movie, um, even in the moments where he's like the reason that he's trying to to go back to the rich guy in most of the scenes is because he's trying to get the money for rent for her or, you know, he's, right. tra- he's like working at the job um, uh, in, you know, in this, I think, I think that's the most throwaway scene personally. Um, yeah. where, where he's, he's, you know, picking up the soap and, you know, it's whatever weird. else. I mean, it's, 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 it's the classic Chaplin gag in a lot of ways. It's like yeah. thing is here. Thing, uh, does other thing, uh, you know, we replace thing with thing, <laughs> um, yeah. which, which, you know, is, is funny, but, um, it, it kind of, you know, it, it is what it is, but, um, I mean, I, I really, I enjoy, I think this, the things that stick out to me, like you're, you're saying the suicide sequence, I think is really, um, interesting. And it, it kind of goes into it multiple times where, you know, he, fi- they find a gun in like a drawer or, right, or on the floor right. or something. Um, you know, yeah. And, and so, you know, it kind of, kind of revisits that, um, that theme throughout the movie. And then at the same time, there's, uh, there's that that final sequence um with the with the rich guy where he steals the money um and uh i I've, i think that that scene is funny it, i don't know it's in like the same way that um that like some of of um the great dictator is funny where it's like it's like pretty um a, a little dark and serious and, and in the same way that like the suicide sequences, um, a little dark and serious kind of touching on, on, um, deeper themes, but is totally has a veneer of just like brash entertainment. Um, and, and has, you know, basically, uh, no bones about being just like, just goofy and, and just being for, for, for giggles essentially. Um, and I, I find that that last, sequence to be very funny uh where he's he's uh you know he's get <laughs> they're like passing around the gun and he's uh you know he's <laughs> he's like oh here you go you, you know hands it back to him and he's like he's so witless um but i don't know I, there's something about his his character that i just find um charming charming in a way i guess yeah oh definitely definitely i was thinking to myself when watching this movie like Man, this is like people acting out Looney Tunes, and then like it a is, light yeah. switch went off, and I was like, "It's before." Wait a second. I mean, it's before Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like that's yeah. what I was like. Wait a second. No, this I, invented Looney Tunes. Yes. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I think that was like a, a pretty cool 
realization. And, you know, I watched it with Jules and she was laughing about how all the people were dancing fast. Like just that old movie, like mm-hmm. sporadic energy of kind of the slapstick stuff. Definitely. It's I, def- kind of, it's- I kind of feel like there should be a little more of that in movies. I think I think older movies in some ways, and this is what I what I kind of want to talk to you about in a couple of weeks, but I think older movies were really kind of risky in terms of of the way that they were flexible with um with like what the camera was doing and what like editing was being done and like how things were were being shown like I don't know I think I think people were more comfortable because it was a newer medium people were you know had less tropes and and they were more comfortable sort of bending some rules and being just weird just doing weird stuff um, and yeah and that's why mad max fury road is the best movie ever made it's because, true that's that's why mad just... max fury road is <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no I, I, but you're you're right in that you know that's that's a technique that they used in mad max to heighten some of the action sequences and in this it's kind of just used as like a throwaway thing it doesn't even mean anything in this movie Right. So, can it's you imagine, like literally for nothing. <laughs> can you imagine watching like, you know, Gilmore Girls, the movie three or whatever, and they just they suddenly like speed they up have a scene where yeah. they have a scene where they're like walking and it's just all of a sudden That'd <laughs> be awesome. Is, that would be that would be pretty cool. I, you know, I like, would, the, I'm I'm for that. I'm for that. Yeah. I we do slow mo. I mean, come on. Cameron, we should somehow try to get in <laughs> with like Hallmark movies. <laughs> Like you and I just somehow get involved in the production and just completely like demolish the movie in post, like just speeding up clips and that'd things be, like that. People, that'd be sick. People would be like, oh my goodness, is this a Chaplin movie? Oh, wow. You know what? I, yeah, we should definitely do that. We should try to get hired at Hallmark and then we should okay. make it like a love, a love, like we'll, we'll, we'll try to pitch it as like, oh yeah, it's like a drug addict who's like going through rehab and finds love with family and stuff like that. <laughs> but like every scene with him like trying not to relapse is like all out of whack you know that would be <laughs> well, a good you, time you bring up a really good point in that drugs are like the one time where you like when you when you acknowledge that someone is on drugs or like reliving a memory or like in a dream or something that's yeah. the one time altered states of consciousness that's when you can just be like eh, no rules you know we can just do whatever we want it's just funny to me because some of these like prolific filmmakers are like the ones that are considered artistic right and you know like i i'm thinking about like what what uh a24 movies right you go to people go to these movies and they like expect that level of like basically comfort where like the director is just gonna have like free reign to basically mess around whenever they want and you can get like kind of crazier movies that are like more out there and i just I don't know. Like, I feel like now back then it was like oblivious to kind of the feeling that it gives the audience almost. And now like there's an intention behind how the audience feels when they see something like that. So there's like, Oh, we now have like a mechanical use for what we're doing with the footage. And it almost like it would be, it would be very jarring to watch a movie where they ignored the mechanics and it just, it just just like, there's no drugs, no nothing. Yeah. Like just imagine a Christmas movie. I kind of think it would be awesome. I kind of think it would be awesome. 
I don't know for sure. It might just look terrible and be weird, but oh yeah, I I I'm my suspicion is that I would like it. Um, I my I suspicion know. is that most audience viewers would never forgive you. Yeah, and the film people would definitely. be like, "This is great." Yeah, this that, is great. No, I think yeah. that's I think that's true. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, just to kind of. Uh, close out our thoughts on this a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's um, I think as you can kind of see through this movie, um, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to portray through showing you some of these old silent mil- films is that the in a time where the language of cinema hasn't yet been ironed out, um, there were elements that uh, are still universally applied today. Um, and I, to me, that is a really neat story and is something that, uh, I like to think about and to focus on, uh, when I, when I look at films now with the, with the basis of having, um, you know, my, I, with the basis of taking film history and sort of being knowledgeable a little bit about this, this topic, um, I take those thoughts and I, and I sort of translate into how things have been like how things have been drip fed down to now um, and distilled and distilled and distilled. Uh, And I don't know, to me, to me, this is just an interesting example of and a a very excellent and heartfelt example of something that has obviously gone on to inspire many, many other directors and many people. Many people beyond just the, um, you know, the the immediate colleagues of of Keaton, and you know, you bring up Looney Tunes, and I think that's a, it's a it's a perfect example, um, and in a lot of ways, you know, cartoons of the day were were really mimicking um, Buster Keaton, and I think that's pretty pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I I'm not I'm not saying that this movie is bad. I know I'm coming across negative. My biggest fear with this movie and talking about it positively is that maybe somebody would listen to this episode and think, "Oh, like I could this movie sounds good and it is good. You can go watch it, you know?" But I do I do feel like it is silent movies are tough, man. They're just they're tough. I don't know what it is. And this movie I had I had good enjoyment out of, but I also kind of waned in attention. And yeah. I think it's kind of interesting what you're talking about, about how Chaplin's friendly to that. Um, I, I don't know. Have I seen a Buster Keaton movie? I don't know if I've seen one. No, but um, no, you have not. Um, Keaton is interesting. I guess we can do a little short intro on what we're going to do next week. Um, sure. Keaton is... Uh, I, you know what we'll do because, um, the movie that we're going to watch the full, the feature, I guess, um, is very short. It's only an hour and seven minutes long. Um, so I'm going to throw in that we watch, uh, another short film. It's, it's about 20 minutes long. It's called, um, one week. Uh, and it's probably what this and the general. So one week in the general, probably the two most well-known and well-respected Keaton movies. Um, Mm. And, uh, you know, back in in the early 20s and the mid-20s, people were 
a lot of directors or you know uh, who would go on to be directors uh pretty much made one reel or two reel shorts so really not uh not very long movies um even chaplin kind of started uh just by making one reel shorts so um uh, I think I think if we sh- if we watch one week, uh, which is his s- technically a second short film, um, and we watch the general, which is his most um, you know well well known and well respected uh, movie, um, we'll get a pretty good picture of um, of Keaton as a as an artist in a lot of ways. Um, and I would say oh, and one other thing, Keaton did not direct for very long, under ten years, I think. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll pretty much get the, the, um, him at his, at his prime essentially. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more in depth about that next week, but, uh, he's kind of always the counterpoint to Chaplin, which is why I kind of wanted to bring them up back to back. Um, Chaplin in my mind has a little bit more heart and a little bit more, um, uh, sentimentality in his movies. Uh, and Keaton is really just raw, um, raw comedy and adrenaline. And it's kind of awesome. Uh, his movies are kind of, yeah, I'm kind of ready for that. Are are genuinely, um, jaw dropping in a lot of ways. So, Mm. um, and, and remember, obviously this applies for this movie. Um, Oh, did you notice? I thought, so first of all, going back to City Lights, um, this was an excellent, excellent remaster by Criterion Collection. Um, I thought it was really spectacular looking. So spectacular looking that you could see wires at points, which was awesome. I thought that was so neat. <laughs> mm. Did you notice uh, two, two wires uh, that I did? I didn't see wires. The The main stunt that surprised me was when they were driving that Rolls Royce over the sidewalk. I oh, know yeah. that doesn't seem too crazy, but I was like, that looked kind of, I mean, it was sped up, but I was like, that seems really fast. It yeah. seems kind of scary <laughs> to be driving a car like that over a curb, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, there wasn't a, there wasn't a ton of stunts in, in this movie. Some of, some of, uh, Chaplin's movies, I would say have more, um, you know, daring exploits, but nothing, nothing quite like Keaton. So um, get get ready for that. Um, yeah, no CGI back then. I'll yeah, probably exactly. be amazed by it just for that factor. I think. Home, yeah, so. I think. I mean, genuinely, I think you will. Um, especially one week. I think is just. I mean, it's yeah, it's shocking. It's just so shocking. <laughs> Watch it. Watch it with us, audience. Yeah. Please. Well, we post every Monday, Cameron. I'm going to slap a rating on this movie. I'm going to say it's for the curious, not for the casuals, not for the uh, for everybody. N- not I think it's way more approachable than like being for cinephiles. So I'm putting it for the curious. If this sounds like something you want to explore. You know, go for it. I feel like most people going out of their way to watch this, they'll feel like, eh, you know, oh, that was good. You know, like, but not not like. Not like they would if they watched The Great Dictator. Yeah. And I, I don't know many silent films that like, honestly, this is a much more heartfelt and and like heartwarming version of how I felt after watching like Metropolis because Metropolis, I was pretty amazed by just visually and but it felt like kind of soulless to me. I'm not entirely sure why it was like a technical master. It was like 
um, it was cool to kind of connect some of the sci-fi that I love in the modern day to it. But other than that, you know, any emotional resonance of the movie didn't didn't hit compared to the technical mastery. And that's I think that's what's weird about this movie is that there wasn't there's a technical acting element um, and the way that the comedy set up. And I was like, well, I can appreciate that, but I don't really want to be sitting here appreciating the technical things. And so I was kind of like, you know, buying into some of the gags, but sort of being bored at other moments. And then I was surprised by the ending being so like, you know, heartfelt um, that I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll look back on this movie and have a different opinion. But as of right now, like, I feel like I'm kind of like, I don't feel excited to revisit that. I don't really know if people need to go jump in and watch this movie, especially if they, they haven't seen um, Chaplin's great, the great dictator. I'm like, come on. Or, you know, or battleship Potemka, you know, you got to see that. <laughs> that one's way less accessible than this. Movie no, is. no, um, no, I, I would, I, I'm going to disagree with you just in terms of, I think, I think, I think this movie totally is, accessible to everybody um i think anybody can watch it and have an enjoyable time i think i think you're probably right in that most people would not just put on a movie like this um so you kind of by necessity you have to be curious in order to watch this movie Mm. um but uh, personally i think if anybody watches this they'll they'll be pleasantly surprised They'll be intri- intrigued by you know some of the gags. They'll be entertained. Um, I think it's a it's a very uh, accessible movie. I I think if if someone is sitting down to watch it, I I definitely think they'll they'll get something out of it. So most definitely amazing for how old the movie is, and it's on HBO Max. Yeah. You, I mean, yes, like yes, it is quite incredible how like how how I guess human the movie is because it's transcended so much time and it still hits in 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 a lot of elements where i feel like if you watched other movies from the same era you would be even more bored and i like you were saying with like how some talkies were out like i would i'd probably watch this than those you know oh yeah me yeah so me too uh i mean obviously uh uh, screwball comedy is notwithstanding because those are those are my fave and uh, up my alley. But you know, right? Um, right. Yeah, cool. No, so look forward to watching the general and one week next next week. Yes, it'll be good. We post every Monday. We'll see you guys then. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.